Hi, I thought I'd put together a little video on fiat currency, inflation, and real money. Uh, this is a chart that Jeff Clark uh, created just yesterday, I believe, and it's the year-over-year uh, -year inflation each month. So uh, February of 2021 compared to February of 2020, 1.7%. And then it rose up to 4.2% and the Federal Reserve said it will be transitory. It's a very temporary phenomenon. Prices are going to level out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and 5%, 5.4%, 6.2%. And month, month, February of 2022, Instead of 1.7%, we've got 7.9%. So if you're tracking prices, you know, it went up from 2020, 1.7% plus 7.9%. Anyway, uh, this, is their, this is the CP lie. Uh, it's not, if you, if you look at gasoline and groceries, uh, it is much, much, much higher than this. It's part of the... Um, lie that you get to tell with fiat currencies. So let's take this back a little bit further. Here's CPI year over year going all the way back to 1992. And what you see is this is the sharpest rise in the chart. There was one time where it fell close to a similar scale in a similar time frame, but that was falling. That was the crisis of 08, and we went into deflation. The zero line here is deflation. This is just vicious and you can see that as soon as people sort of, sort of got tired of the pandemic and they actually started spending some of the currency that had been created because of the pandemic uh, we're at 7.9 percent year over year now uh, Marin Katusa of Katusa Research uh, who Jeff Clark had worked with uh, a long long time ago uh, produced this chart and it's the S&P Commodity Index uh, versus the S&P 500. So uh, you've got their commodities versus, uh, you know, in the 500 is really uh, the equities. And equities are expensive, commodities are cheap. So this is commodities priced in equities, basically. And what you see here is that we are still at the lowest point in this chart except for just the past year or so. Um, this is the beginning of a long-term trend. I've got uh, charts that go back a few hundred years on this, and it swings back and forth like a pendulum, and uh, there is a cycle to it, certain periods, up, down, up, down, up, down. This has a long way to run. Uh, if you look at the time scales, this is only a few years. Here, here's 70, like 73. Then we had the crash of 74 in the stock market. And that's basically what caused this. But you can see this cycle that goes on. This will be a long-term trend, but I have a feeling that this is going to rise very fast. You can see that there are some times where it rises a tremendous amount in just a couple of years. So if, if this is one and it goes to uh, eight or 10, you're going to be able to get 10 times more stocks for the, uh, the commodities that you sell that you are invested in when you go to sell them. Now, um, uh, gold and silver are part of this, these commodities in that index. However, gold and silver are also money. They're not just a commodity. 
and they are going to way, way, way outperform the rest of the commodities in what is coming. So um, one of the things that has inflated is, is gasoline, and uh, the president is blaming that on Russia. And thanks to uh, Belang P of Evidence-Based Wealth, he took a breakdown of 2020 crude oil uh, imports and exports. So you've got the exporting country here, the importing country here. And on this side, he put it in per percentages instead of millions of barrels of oil. And in 2020, the U.S. only imported 1.4% of its oil from Russia. So uh, the Russians aren't really going to care if we stop buying. It's not going to have any impact on them if we stop buying. And it's not really uh, the reason for the price increase at the pump that you're seeing. This is a global thing that's going on. Now, could it really be? They're blaming it on Russia. Could it be our fault? This is the currency that the Federal Reserve has created since March of 2020. The, this is the pandemic currency right here. And it's huge, you know, going from um, about 15 trillion up to 22, 22 and a half trillion in such a short period of time. Um, and so this is funny money or currency, I like to call it, uh, but it is play money and they are playing with it. Now to give you a perspective of how much currency they're cre creating compared to what they've done in the past, this is the year over year change. So change from a year ago in billions of dollars. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I'm laughing. M2 is the people's currency supply. This is what's in your checking account. It, it includes the cash in your wallet, what's in your checking account, savings account, uh, in your um, money market fund, if it's under $100,000, I believe. Uh, MZM is uh, the currency supply uh, aggregate that includes the big boys capital, the stuff, uh, you know, if you want to include what's in brokerage accounts that uh, belong to, uh, you know, where there's uh, uh, billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in those accounts, uh, then that's included in MZM, not in M M2. I believe M2 uh, cuts it off at $100,000. But there you go. This is the difference. Do you think any of that could have found its way out of this? Because when they create this, most of it goes into financial assets. The Federal Reserve has to purchase a financial asset. It ends up going into brokerage houses, and that funnels it ends up either in bonds or in uh, the stock market. Uh, however, some people have uh, been rotating out of overpriced assets and into cash and buying other stuff with it. Could that be part of what's driving up prices? Uh, this is the aggregated central bank balance sheet. So it's the Fed, the European Central Bank, the Bank of Japan, and the People's Bank of China. And they were just over the $20 trillion mark of base currency. This is the currency that the central banks uh, create. And when they create it, they buy something with it. And that thing that they bought ends up on their balance sheet. So what, they're, what you're showing here is the stuff that the central banks own that they bought by creating currency that didn't previously exist. They type it up 
and they buy something. So the mirror of this would be the amount of currency that they've created. And it's gone from just over 20 trillion to about 31, 32. So it's gone up by 50% in just two years. Mind boggling. Oh, how did that frame get in there? Oh, yes, we're talking about fiat currencies. <laughs> now we're going to talk about money. This is gold. And if you refer to a video I did back on December 5th, I talked about symmetry. And there's this marvelous symmetrical inverse head and shoulders right there. Then I showed another one that happens dur happened during the COVID crash of the stock markets. Uh, now uh, I'm going to zoom in on this uh, area here. And what I had said in this video, I took this consolidation pattern that we had uh, after gold peaked in 2011 and said, and, and then the, when it broke down the number of months, I said, if this handle on this giant cup and handle formation, if this handle plays out with the same symmetrical move. Now, I said this in December, so we were down in here. I said we've got until March or April to accumulate gold and silver, and then once it breaks its previous high in March or April, it should be off to the races. Well, it isn't off to the races yet, but we're getting darn close. What's happening with silver? Oh my gosh. This is the commodities exchange. Now, it's important to know that on the commodities exchange, it is a fractional reserve Ponzi scheme. And um, there are sometimes, um, they, you can make up a, a futures contract and sell it into the market. So you're making up ounces of gold and silver when you make these futures contracts. Uh, uh, and to back that, they'll have like one ounce for every 100 ounces or 200 or 500 ounces of silver that gets sold into the market on paper. It's a fractional reserve uh, scheme that is destined for failure one day. However, these guys uh, make the rules, change the rules, and enforce the rules, just like government does. They change it at any time. Uh, but look at what is happening. Uh, this is the March contract. These are the other contracts all plotted out. And this is the uh, net number of new contracts since the start of deliveries, measured in how many business days since the start of deliveries. And, and uh, what you see here is this, uh, it's just, it's gone ballistic. There is something up with silver on the COMEX. And, oh, there's that frame again. Yes, we are talking about uh, uh you know, fractional reserve schemes. And so we're going to go back to fiat currencies. This is the Russian ruble to US dollar, the exchange rate. And this is one year of data. And you can see how it just fell off a cliff here. So basically, it lost 50% during that time period. Well, what if you were a, a Russian living in Russia, and you were invested in precious metals. If you were invested in gold, this is an ounce of gold to the Russian ruble. <laughs> it went up from, uh, you know, right in here, it was about 140,000 rubles per ounce, and it went up to 305. So it went up by like a factor of two, instead of going, just doubling, it went up 2.2 times, 2.25 times that range 
from uh, 130, 140 up to 305. So if you're a Russian invested in gold and silver, you not only maintained your purchasing power, it didn't just protect you, it protected you and you had some significant gains in an extremely short period of time. So both safety, you know, the protection plus profit, protection and profit. This is gold in rubles. This is from a presentation that I gave at a Russian banking conference to a gr big group of bankers that were there to discuss uh, Basel III. And this is in 2011, and I'm in Sochi, Russia, presenting this. And these bankers just had no idea of this history. But here we have, we're going back further in time in the Russian ruble. Uh, now, if you go back to 1991, that was when the Soviet Union collapsed. And then, you know, there was a huge period of, of great instability and strife in Russia. I mean, awful times. And then here, the Russian ruble, uh, I've got data on it. It probably goes back a little further, I'm not sure. But they brought back uh, a, a new Russian ruble. Um, the Russian ruble, by the way, is the second oldest surviving currency, at least in name, because... <laughs> There's a one I'm going to show you in a minute. It goes from one Russian ruble to a different Russian ruble to a different Russian. But they're all Russian rubles. Uh, it's the second oldest after the British pound, um, which also changes throughout history. So it's stable. And then right in here, you have the long-term capital management uh, crisis. You've got uh, the uh, um, Asian contagion. And then that cascaded around the world and caused the Russian ruble crisis. And so you're going from somewhere like 1,500 or 2,000 Russian rubles uh, for an ounce of gold to, to 40,000. And that was 2011. Now we're at 305,000. Now, let's go back even further in this fiat currency fiasco. And what we have here is uh, this goes all the way back to 1880. The reason I went back here, I've got data on it, uh, and this is the classical gold standard where countries fully backed their currencies by gold. But this is the Russian Revolution. So in 1922, you brought in 10,000 of your old rubles, and they gave you one new ruble. These are the paper rubles. If you keep your gold, you're fine. But when you're using the paper currency in this today it's digital currency it's it's you know in your bank account when you log in but uh 10,000 of the old of of the ruble and you get one new ruble the a year later 23 you bring in 100 of the new rubles and they give you one new new ruble in 24 you bring in 50,000 of the new new rubles and they give you one new 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 ruble in 1947, you bring in 10 of the new, new, new rubles, and they give you one new, 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 new ruble. 61, 10 of the new, 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 new rubles, and they give you one new, 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 new ruble. And then in 1998, <laughs> you bring in 1,000 of the new, 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 new rubles, and they give you one new, 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 new ruble. <laughs> For a total devaluation during that time period of five quadrillion times. That does not include the recent 50% devaluation, but there was devaluation between uh, 2011 and this one this year. 
uh, that chart of the 50% devaluation only goes back one year. Uh, so it's greater than, you'd have to more than double this. It is now greater than 10 quadrillion times. I have no idea where it is. Someday I might get a chance to have a researcher redo this chart for me. Uh, so this is what it would look like in prices <laughs> over the same period of time. You can see this was my 2011 presentation to the Russian banking conference. But from 1919, you've got all of these various devaluations. So you go from what is this, uh, 20 rubles or something like that? And you'd have to have this many rubles to <laughs> have the same purchasing power. So uh, that is the end of this presentation. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, but, uh, you know, fiat currency is just a bunch of monopoly money. They, monopoly currency. <laughs> People call it monopoly money. It's not. It's all fiat currencies are no better than monopoly money. I want to thank you for watching. We'll see you next time.